0: Hi, my name is Jackie Marcel, and I serve here at
1: Heights Baptist Church in the children's ministry. Thank you so much for joining us today online. If you would like to connect with us, you can go to our Facebook page, you can go to our Instagram, or you can go to our website at heightschurch.org connect. Thank you for joining us. If you have a Bible, you can go ahead and turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6. And we will be uh, starting in verse 10. I absolutely love uh, being a father. It's changed so much about me. It's changed the way that I do so many things in life. And one of the things that I've really enjoyed about being the dad of a toddler is getting to introduce her to things that I love. And one of the things that I got to very recently, uh, before school let out, maybe right after school let out, I got to take her camping for the first time. And it was awesome. It was awesome. Uh, We went to a a state park here in Texas and uh, had an incredible time. We introduced her to water that wasn't contained by concrete. That's a, that's a, a new thing for a, for a two-year-old. And I'll never forget when I was uh, trying to introduce her to this river, it was not very deep. It was not that the current was so strong, but she could see a very real danger and she could see something that was more powerful than she was and she was terrified right? She was not used to that. She has a pool in her backyard that's this deep and you could fill it with a water hose in three minutes. There's a pool at my in-law's house that's a pretty nice pool, but it's contained. But when the water's moving, it brings something different. There is a power in that water that is new, unique, unique. And terrifying so I'll never forget uh, I try to be a good dad but uh, there was a a, the voice in the back of my head you know the voice that was like throw her in (laughs) but I didn't because I want to be a good dad so I walked with her into this water and pretty quickly she realized that this water was moving, this water was scary, and she didn't want anything to do with it. And so I started reasoning with my two-year-old, and for those of you that have had two-year-olds, you know what it's like to reason with a two-year-old, and I said, what if you get on dad's shoulders and we go in the water together? And at first she was hesitant. But then when we got into the water and we started playing around a little bit, she got more confidence. She got more uh, interested in what was going on. And at the end of the day, she was bold. We ended up getting her uh, floaties. You know floaties. And we had our two-year-old and floaties, and by the end of the time, because Dad had her, because Dad was taking care of her, because Dad wasn't terrified of the water and was actually stronger than the currents, she found trust that she could do the things there because she was equipped to do it. Now, I think a lot of times in life we're a lot like that toddler. We're a lot like that two-year-old, and we see things that are overwhelming. They're more powerful than we are. There are obstacles uh, in this culture. There are battles. There are wars that are going on, and it's easy to get overwhelmed when we see defeat. It's easy to get overwhelmed when we fall, when the current takes our feet out from under us. It's easy to get discouraged when we see our neighborhood not looking like the neighborhood it used to be, and we feel defeated. It's difficult when we see our culture, and it looks different than it used to be, and we feel defeated. We can look to our schools, and sometimes we can feel defeated. But there's good news. And as a matter of fact, even though this passage is kind of terrifying, it's also this amazing picture of the best news of all of the Bible. If you are in Christ, we're already victorious over all of those things that we can feel defeated over. If you are in Christ... We can be battle-ready for what's in front of us right now. You can be equipped because guess what? Dad's got you. And he's equipped you with what you need to be battle-ready with whatever you face right now. Now, I could be done right there, right? That's some deep stuff if you're thinking about it. I was thinking when when Matt was reading the the passage or part of the passage earlier, I was like, man, Matt, you stole the whole sermon. (laughs) But spiritual warfare is real, it is real, and it's raging and it's ruthless. It's bigger than you. It's stronger than you. And in the same way that my daughter can look at the water that's moving and feeling terrified, we can look at the spiritual realm that's going on around us, all of the things that we're facing, and we can feel terrified too because it's bigger and stronger than you. And it's ruthless. And it doesn't care how many verses you've memorized. And it doesn't care how good you think you are. And it doesn't matter what your Sunday school attendance is. It's ruthless. But the Bible says, greater is He who is in you than he who is in the world. This whole lesson is not about how to be terrified of what's going on around us. This whole sermon is about how you can have power in the name of Jesus because he is already victorious. So today we're going to talk about a few things that hopefully, hopefully will answer some tough questions that we've got going on. At Heights we like to say that we desire to love and lead all people to a new life with Christ and I think we, I think we believe that. I think that we strive for that. I think that that's a real thing that we mean, but sometimes, it can feel that that we, the church, start throwing punches and directions at enemies that are not supposed to be our enemies. Sometimes, it feels like we might be taking swings at the wrong enemy. The Bible teaches that people matter. And the passage today says that they're not our enemy. Our, Our enemy is not flesh and blood. But against the instruments of the spiritual warfare that we're facing on a regular basis. So, today I'm going to talk about how to fight, who to fight, but also what we're supposed to be fighting for. Hopefully, at this point, you have found Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to read it together if you don't mind standing for the reading of God's word. Starting in verse 10, this is a little bit longer of a section than we normally read out loud, but it goes to the end of the book, and you know I had to. So if you get tired along the way, feel free to sit back down. Verse 10, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle Keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me. The words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may may declare it boldly as I ought to speak so that you also may know how I am and what I am doing." Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. And I have sent him to you for the very purpose that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. Peace be to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. You may be seated. Father God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you that it guides our path, it teaches us what is true, and it gives us everything we need for life and godliness. God, I pray that those in this room would truly learn to love your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. It starts in verse 10, finally. Now, for those of you that have been coming for very long, this is the 16th sermon out of the book of Ephesians. So you're saying, I can relate with that, right? Finally, we're almost done with Ephesians. But when he's saying finally in this instance, he's talking about the look back, the, the, the scope of the entire Letter that he's written up to this point. He's saying finally, it's going to have this this look back to the rest of Ephesians for the instruction and truth that he's already given. This is important. It's kind of a prerequisite before we get to the armor. It's a prerequisite before we're able to fight spiritual battles. And here is what the Bible actually teaches. In chapters 1 and 2, it says that we need to have a relationship with God. And when we have this relationship with God, there are things about us that change. Our identity changes. The way we look changes. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 and 5, that you were dead in your trespasses and sin, but God, being rich in mercy, made us alive in Him. There is something new about you. Your identity is completely changed. If we're going to fight spiritual battles, we have to start with an understanding That when I have a relationship with God, it is not me fighting the battle any longer. It's Christ going before me and fighting that battle for me. The same way that I was carrying my daughter through that river, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is going before us in battle and making it possible for us to overcome anything. The second thing that it presupposes is this. We need to have a genuine relationship with God's people. We need to have a good relationship with the church. That's us. It's not a passage that's all about me, it's a passage that's all about we. It's a passage where we go into battle together. I am not supposed to fight my battle alone, it's not supposed to be me and Jesus going to war. It's supposed to be me and Jesus and my church family going to war. It presupposes that we need to have a relationship with God's people. Ephesians 4 1 through 3 says this I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Do you all remember when we preached that? We need to have a good relationship with God. We need to have a good relationship with the church, but we also need to have a solid relationship with our family. The last few chapters, the last two chapters, and the last several sermons uh, here at Heights have been all about family. When we do all three of these things, we've got a good relationship with God and understanding of who we are in Christ. When we have a good relationship with the church, we're bearing one another's burdens and we're having each other's back in difficult moments. And when we have a godly family where we're striving to love and submit to one another, to be obedient to one another, to, to go through life as a family together, it ends up looking like this. Putting ourselves under sound teaching, seeking prayerful association and accountability to others in the church, and serving one another in healthy family relationships is what nourishes Christ-likeness in us. That's what nourishes it. It feeds it. If we're going to stand strong in a fight, all three of those pieces have to be in place before we even get to verse 10. Before he goes on and gives us instruction, that's the foundational piece of the entire letter. And he's like, now that you're doing all of that, which is a light task, right? Now you can go ahead and get to the rest of it. So in verse 10, he says this. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Why is it important to start with the Lord's strength? Because your strength is terrible. My daughter in the river is not very strong. For me, it's not that bad. We can't fight a war. We can't fight the battles that are in front of us if we don't rely on the strength that God gives us. Like the songs we sang this morning, there's power that's in the name of Jesus. It's a power that is so strong and so real and so overbearing to anything that we face, to any obstacle, to any battle, to any lust, to any temptation, to any level of pride. If you want to overcome the sin that's in your life, I can promise you this, you can't do it by yourself. You're not that strong. I would not expect to put my two-year-old in the river and for her to just go around like a mermaid. She's not that strong. Dad has to equip her Dad has to carry her. And when we're looking at this passage, that's exactly what Paul is telling us to do. Go before your father and say, Lord, give me strength. Your strength. The strength that raised Jesus from the dead. Give me that strength because I am not strong enough. My identity is in Christ and it changes everything about me. I wrote down a few of the pieces of identity that are in the book of Ephesians. Once we were dead, but now we're alive. Once we were under the dominion of Satan, but now we're seated in the heavenly realm. Once we were objects of his wrath, but now we're his inheritance. Once we were separated, but now we're brought near. Once we were foreigners, but now we're citizens. Once we were aliens, but now we're members of his household. Once we were infants, but now we're mature. Once we had an old self, and now we're made new. Once we were darkness, but now he has called us into his marvelous light. When we are in Christ, we have the power to overcome whatever struggle is in front of you in the name of Jesus. But this passage isn't about you, remember? Keep that in mind. Hold on to that. We enter into spiritual warfare with strength, with the confidence that nothing will assault us that is greater than our ability to resist because that's what the Word teaches We face our trials with the same force that raised Christ from the dead. And if you're anything like me, you're already protesting in your mind. You've already been doing it for five minutes already. The protest is going to go something like this. But this is not how I feel. I don't feel like I've got that power. I don't feel like I can overcome or resist. I don't feel like I have what it takes to stand. I've been a Christian. I've been following. I've been praying. I've been seeking. I've been reading. And I can't stand. I've tried it before. And I fall. Again, and again, and again. Can anybody relate? There's no greater peace of our old self that clings to us like the doubt that we are who Christ says we are. I wrestle with this to this day. I've been a Christian for a lot of years. I've been studying. I've gone to seminary and there are still days where I struggle with my identity in Christ because I look at who I am and I look at who I ought to be and they're not the same person. We have self-defeating claims that I am lost, I am unloved and doubt the new nature that God has already powerfully given to us to defeat any enemy. The first step of spiritual warfare is an acceptance of who you are in Christ, what He has made you to be. If you get nothing else out of this, know this, the devil is a liar And he is against you believing what the Word says that you are. Let's get into that. You have to know your enemy. Who or what exactly are we fighting? In verses 11 and 12, it says this, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities against the cosmic powers over this present darkness against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Don't miss this. Our battle is not against flesh and blood. I'm going to come back to this. People matter. Our battle is not against people. Our battle is not against people. Hear me on that. That doesn't need to be your takeaway. Our battle is not against people. Our battle is against spiritual warfare. Our battle is against the schemes of the devil. Our battle is against the cosmic forces of power. So what is it? Our culture paints a picture of Satan, of the devil, as some man in his underwear that's painted in some cartoon sense that goes around and lightly pranks people. Sometimes, they'll paint Satan as somebody that runs uh, Airbnb in hell and he throws wicked parties. Sometimes, you get pictures in culture of Satan and that looks like the thing that we all want to be. But that's not what the Word teaches us about who the devil is and the schemes that he has. As a matter of fact, those cultural views our schemes here's what the word teaches us our enemy is methodical he's deceptive he's destructive he's very real and he's very evil he's walking with you and he's working on you he is powerful he is strong stronger than you no doubt You're no match to come against him in your own strength. On your own, you're about as powerful as a snowball against a brick wall in an August heat wave in South Texas. When we know our enemy, here are the facts that Scripture teaches us about Satan. And I don't want to go beyond it because there are a lot of opinions that go beyond Scripture, and we're not going to do that here today. Here's what we know about who Satan is. He is stronger than you. The Bible says he's like a roaring lion seeking who he may devour. He's smarter than you. If you look to the garden, He knew exactly what to say to convince Eve and even Adam to do the only thing that they weren't supposed to do. Surely you won't die. He knows exactly what your temptation is. He knows exactly what it takes to break you. He's good at it, and he's been doing it a long time. If I studied math for five years, I might be decent at it. If I studied math for a 100 years, I might be really good at it. If I studied it for 1,000 years, I might be on like some physicist level that's beyond anything I could be on this earth, I'm telling you right now. But if I studied for a millennia, I feel like I'd be pretty good at math, don't you? You see, he is stronger than you, he's smarter than you, but he's also seductive to you. Think about it. The Bible says that he's the father of lies, that he goes around pretending to be an angel of light, masquerading as something that wants to do good in your life. Just like when Jesus was tempted, he said, hey, I see you're hungry, want some bread? Well, Jesus needed bread. He was just being a good guy that was offering bread, right? No, he is somebody that is the father of lies, masquerading as an angel of light. He pretends to have our best interest in mind and time after time, after time, after time in our own strength we believe it. You know how I know? How many of you sinned this week? We believe it. It's better for me to be this way. It's better for me to accept that. It's better for me to do that. It's not really hurting anybody. He knows exactly what it takes. Having done all to stand, stand firm. I love this part of this passage in verse 13 uh, when he talks about that you may be able to withstand. If you literally translate it, uh, John Piper says it this way, that you may be found standing in the end. And I love that. That after all the smoke clears, you can be found standing because you have this armor that was given to you by God and who you need to be. So we know the enemy, but we also know how God equips us. He equips us with his armor, not your armor. But his armor, not based on who you are, but based on who he is, the God who gives us strength and empowering grace and gives us an identity in Christ also equips us with his armor to face our adversary. And as you could probably guess, I am not going to spend this entire sermon talking about the armor because I've already been talking for quite some time. But here are the pieces of the armor that he gives us. He gives us truth. When it comes to your truth, your truth is not good enough. His truth stands firm. This is a measure of grace, and I want you to hear me on this. This is not about you knowing truth better. This isn't about you speaking truth better. This is you accepting that God's truth is actually true. It's a foundational piece righteousness. I heard this taught my whole life, like you need to be upstanding. You need to be a good person. You need to be righteous in the eyes of God. But the Bible teaches there's no one righteous, not even one. And even the apostle Paul who's writing this letter says, wretched man that I am, who will save me from this body of death? And he said that after he had already planted multiple churches and been pastoring and a missionary for years. Praise be to Jesus Christ who brought him out of it. Your righteousness is useless, it's about as useless as the strength that you have to fight the enemy. Faith, in the book of Ephesians, it says that faith is a gift that God gives you. It's not a result of your doing, it's His doing salvation. We do not believe that you are the author of salvation. We believe that he is the author of salvation. You see, all of these components that we have so far are all things that he gives us as empowering grace. They're pieces of identity that grow in you as you walk in his strength. If you try to be righteous and go against the spiritual force, you lose every time. Every time. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And you probably noticed that I missed one. That's because I'm going to tie it in. It's the readiness. It's the readiness that comes from the Gospel of peace. These are all the pieces of God's empowering grace. Their identity. They're the salvation that He gives us. He's saying when you go to war, it's not based on your own strength, your own doing, your own righteousness, your own truth, your own salvation. Your own gospel. It's His gifts that grow you in the direction that you need to go so that you can do what? Anybody? So that you can stand. So that you can be found standing at the end when the smoke clears. Why? Why does it matter? Why does it matter if you're standing? Because we are the missionaries. They are the mission field. The battlefield is the mission field. When we stand, people matter. We say that. God equips us with tools where we can overcome temptation, where we can overcome sin in our life, where we can be found standing because there are people in the battlefield that don't know, that don't know who Christ is. They're captives. It might seem like they're hostile, but our battle is not against flesh and blood. Our battle is not against flesh and blood. People matter, and they are casualties in this war frequently. Stay with me. There are people all over this community who are fighting a losing battle because they're still living a life without Christ. They don't know this identity that we've talked about. They don't know this power that we've talked about. They don't know what it's like to be resurrected. They don't know what what it's like to be changed. When you're looking at what the Word of God teaches us, we fight our battle so that we can stand strong for their sake. Our battle is not against flesh and blood. This matters because it's the Gospel of peace. The way that we come to peace at the very end is because the Gospel is about Christ being victorious. And us as beggar warriors going into battle, pointing people to the source of bread, the bread of life that can save souls. Readiness that comes from the gospel of peace is really important. We're beggar warriors in brilliant armor given to us by the King of Kings to spread the gospel of peace and point to where we found the bread of life. Here's something I wrote. Our battle is not against flesh and blood because people matter, they're our mission field. Our battle is not against atheists or agnostics, amillennials, the ones for whom amendments do not speak up for. Our battle is not against Buddhists, people that make up big tech, big pharma, big business, bigger churches, boomers, or the Brazoria County tax office. Our battle is not against conservatives, creatives, Catholics, charismatics or Canadians. Our battle is not against Democrats, dentists, dietitians, the disabled or the depressed. Our battle is not against egalitarians, Elon Musk, Eddie Van Halen, the educated or educators. Our battle is not against foreigners, former prom kings, former prom queens, the forgotten. Our battle is not against grumps, grandparents, grumpy grandparents, or gym class wallflowers. Our battle is not against the H-E-B baggers, the hyperactive, the hairdressers, or Hispanics. Our battle is not against independents or IRS agents. Our battle is not against judges, the judgmental, or junior high students. Our battle is not against kings, earthly kingdoms, Kanye, or the Kardashians. Our battle is not against the lonely, the LGBTQIA crowd, Our battle is not against libertarians or little league umpires or little brothers. Our battle is not against Methodists, Marxists, malcontent, the melodramatic or millennials. Our battle is not against our noisy next door neighbors. Our battle is not against the obese, the obtrusive or the outspoken. Our battle is not against populists, police, politicians, pastors, pediatricians or the president, this one or the one we had before. Our battle's not against Queens. Our battle's not against quantum physicists, Republicans, representatives, the retired, or refugees. Our battle is not against the Supreme Court justices. Our battle is not against our sound engineer doing a great job running the soundboard this morning. Our battle is not against the Texas Rangers, two-year-olds. Our battle is not against Universalists or Unitarians, vegans or vegetarians. Our battle is not against the Whataburger drive-through worker that made us wait. Our battle is not against weirdos or the wait staff that we'll have later today. Our battle is not against x ray technicians or Gen Xers. Our battle is not against youth pastors, thank the Lord. Our battle is not against young people, and surely our battle is not against Gen Z. When we go to war, yeah. when we go to war, We're warring against something different. People matter. These are people made in the image of God, and it doesn't matter what your view of them is or was. What matters is that they need Jesus. And it's our job, church, according to the book of Ephesians, to point them there. So call to action if you need one. God still saves. God is still making things new and God is still equipping us to be able to overcome any obstacle. So all of you can respond today in some form or fashion. Some of you need to repent today of the way that you have viewed and fought against people who are image bearers of the Most High. We're called to love them and lead them to Christ, and we've been throwing swings. Some of you this morning need to seek God's truth and His strength. Because you've been trying so long to run into battle with some counterfeit substitute armor that you've constructed yourself. And rely on the identity and the armor that He has equipped you with. Some of you need to respond today because all of this is the first time you're hearing about this identity in Jesus and you need to have a relationship with Him. Today is the day that you could change who you are. And as Ephesians teaches, that you could cross from death to life. Put on the full trust in God and be found standing. We have victory in Jesus. Let's worship, and I'm going to pray with us. Father God, I thank you that you're a God who loves us with an unfailing love God I thank you that you love us and care for us and grow in us you've equipped us with what we need in today's dark world God that we can stand against the culture yes stand against the lies of the deceiver yes stand against the spiritual forces of evil yes for the sake of people, because they're our mission field right in the middle of the battlefield. God, I pray that people would be impacted to stand for war today. That people that they've been fighting with, they would see as a mission field rather than an enemy. God, that they would see in this room that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood and you've equipped us to overcome every other obstacle. Father God, I pray that there would be people in this room that saw you for the first time today. That you're doing the work of salvation in their life today. That you're calling them out of darkness and into your marvelous light today. Father God, I pray that this church would respond. In Jesus' name, amen. You
0: know, the Bible calls us just to pray in our own words, in our own way. And so maybe you've never really prayed or you say, I'm ready to place my faith in Christ, but I don't know what to say. Then I'm just going to pray a simple prayer that you can follow along with me right where you are. And it's God that knows your heart. And so you can simply just bow in prayer and say, dear God, today I'm ready to place my faith and trust in Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for saving me. Amen. You know, if you've prayed that prayer today, first and foremost, we are proud of you. We're excited that you're taking that step of faith. And we'd love to connect with you and follow up with you and, and just cheer you on in your journey now with Christ. And so you can connect with us by going to heightschurch.org connect, click the decision tab. That's going to bring up a form for you to fill out. That's going to come right to me. And we're going to be in touch with you to see how we can come alongside of you and encourage you. If you're in our area, we'd love to connect with you in person on a Sunday morning. Our live groups are at 9 a.m. and our worship service starts at 1030 a.m. So we hope to see you soon and we hope you have a great week. God bless.